88.1 WHOV welcomes you to the Pastor's Study. The Pastor's Study in your church or any church is a place where the pastor goes to collect his thoughts, hear from God, study God's Word, and develop ideas and thoughts on what direction the church needs to take in leading others to Christ. The Pastor's Study is where the road to salvation is paved and the mysteries of the Bible revealed. The Pastor's Study on WHOV is a talk show that allows you, the listener, to come inside to find out more about the ministers of the gospel in the area and the good works they're doing across the region, the nation, and the world. Now here's your host, Pastor Kevin Swan of Ivy Baptist Church in Newport News, Pastor Ray Johnson, and Pastor John Young of Empowered Believers Christian Learning Center. The Pastor's Study is now open to the public, so come on in and find out God's plan for your life and His people. What's good, everybody? Welcome to the Pastor Study here on Smooth 88.1 WHOV iHeartRadio right here, y'all, on Facebook Live. Jason, drop the music. Y'all know what day it is. This is the first Tuesday of the month. We done did something new on this show here. We give you all the listening audience, which, by the way, we just want to say thank you. We can't go. None of us can go anywhere in the community without somebody saying, hey, we listen to the show we appreciate that. So we figured we would give you all an opportunity to have a part in how we create the show. And so first Tuesdays of every month now is asked to crew anything. And, and we mean anything. And, and we almost scared, but we will see where it ends up. But, but here's who we have with us today. Commonwealth attorneys in the House City of Hampton, Anton Bell. Good to see you, sir. Dr. Alvian Lyons, doctor. She got two of them things, one in the front, one in the back. That's why we call her double doctor. <laughs> we appreciate her. Bishop Ray Johnson, to me, and outreach is in the building. And producer extraordinaire Jason Covington, Delegate Price, once again, is handling her responsibilities. We'll see her at some point later on in the season, yes, but she's doing yeah. her thing. So, Al, what's good, Al? You know, this was your concept. You said, listen, we need to open it up and give our our fans, our family, uh, a real opportunity to interact and engage with us. So tell us about Ask the Crew Tuesday. Listen, it is exactly that. This is totally your show. You know, obviously the the work that we do on air, the time we get to spend with you guys, it we want to make sure that it is for you all. But there's so much that happens in the world. You know, this is the space where we get to talk about everything that's going on, both locally and nationally, and then add that extra lens that we're looking at through the eyes of the believer, you know, the ears of the believer. What does it feel like to experience real life as a believer and the various ways and lenses, the interpretation of the scripture, the application of that, all of that, all of the layers that make us who we are, our children of God. The It's the uniqueness of the show. So we talk about very relevant and practical things, but it's married to our faith. They don't exist independent of each other. This particular show is especially interesting and juicy to us because this is where you guys have sent us questions, you know, to ask us our perspectives on things that sometimes might be a little controversial, you know, or a little spicy, but y'all send them anyway. So listen, we're going to, you have the, the boldest and the tenaciousness to ask us, we're going to answer. So this show is completely Governed by, fueled by, nurtured by, inspired by you guys, our listening audience who trust us enough and care enough to hear what we think about these things. So we're not always saying Jesus said, but we are saying that here is how we would interpret it through our experience and understanding of faith when dealing with these juicy and interesting issues. So today, y'all, and here's the other thing, guys, 
Y'all are getting the raw, unadulterated responses of the men. I see these things in advance, right? But these questions today, the guys didn't know about him. They hadn't heard about him. So you're going to get their total raw responses to these because they had no time to prep for what it was because I thought it would just be a little more interesting to see what happens if it's just live, all the way live, not just the show, but the questions, okay? So listen, we've got a mixture of things today. All things, interestingly enough, are relationships because you guys love to ask us those kinds of questions. So we're going to dive right on in to this one. And this one, the very first question that we are going to talk about is about intimacy. So our listener would like to know, how do you talk to your partner about what pleases you physically or sensually? I'm trying to use very good language around it since we're on air and it's a lunchtime show without hurting their feelings. Okay. So their question is, how do you talk to your partner about what pleases you intimately without hurting their feelings? Gentlemen, how would you answer that question? And let me add this one caveat. That particular question came from a woman. So she's talking about how does she tell her man without hurting his feelings about what it is that she's looking for relationally and intimately. And I think it's very appropriate to ask a team full of men <laughs> how to do that well, because she cares very much about not bruising her husband's ego or making him feel small in any way. So she wants to know how to do this well. So I'm, I'm going to ask y'all, and you, any one of you can jump in first before I voluntold you to respond. So Go ahead, Anton. So I would say first, uh, okay, if this is a female talking to a guy, so you got, you're dealing with the ego. Yeah. So I would say accentuate what you like first. Okay. So the things that clearly there are some things that that person is doing, hopefully there are some things that that person is doing that you do enjoy, whether it it, it may be the, the stroke of the hand uh, or, or the massage or uh, the, the way they kiss you or the way they caress, whatever it may be, but accentuate the things, talk about the things that you do care, even while there may be in prog progress. So there may be th those moments that you're having that they're doing those things that you really like. Let them know how much you enjoy that and like that. And then for the things that you may not care as much for, uh, you can take your hand and move them to the areas or to the things that you did enjoy more. I, guys pay attention more than you, you realize we do. And so although, you know, at the end of the day that, you know, ultimately, and I'm trying to figure out a way to say this, uh, <laughs> you, <laughs> you, you, you are trying to um, have that ultimate uh, excitement um, you are still wanting to make sure you please your mate and your spouse. And so I think give more credit than where, where, where credit is not given. We want, we pay attention more than you may realize we pay attention and we do want to make sure we are doing a good job and pleasing you. 
And so just accentuate the things that they're doing well. And, and, and you can use your hand or, or you can kind of direct that person a little bit in the ways of, of, of things that, that you find more pleasurable than other things. Well, thank you for that, Anton. Kevin Swan, how would you answer that question? So I would frame, I would categorize this question under sensitive conversations. And every every couple has to have sensitive conversations. So I'll answer it by saying, and Ray, you know this, uh, playing sports, one thing that the coach will always tell you is you have to run a play based on time and score. That that kind of dictates what you're going to run. So what I what I mean by that, Alvin, is um, you have to know your partner to know when to have this conversation, right? I would argue in the moment probably may not be the best time to have this conversation. So you need to know time and score. When is the best time to have a sensitive conversation where it will be most received? Mm-hmm. And then when you have the conversation, and I and I talk to uh, you know couples that are about to get married about this. You know, communication is really what this is. How are you communicating? It's like giving somebody a steak knife. You don't give them the sharp end. You have to give them the handle. So you have to turn it around. And the way you turn it around is you don't come at them for what they're doing wrong. I think Anton, you said that you said that correctly. The best way, especially for a guy, and Anton, you mentioned ego, is to say, I like when you do this. So now you're putting more emphasis on you. And the guy's catching it, and then he understands, okay, that's what I'm doing right, as opposed to, man, you don't know what you're doing up in here, man. You, you need to get yourself <laughs> together, man. You need to talk to somebody. You know, that, that's a completely different, you know it's a completely different response. So I think it all comes down to understanding and knowing when to have that conversation and then making sure that you keep it on yourself. And then when it actually happens, where it's he is doing whatever it is that you want him to do. Then maybe after the moment, um, you should also go back and say, "Yeah, I really enjoyed that." Now, now let me say this: we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be, um, we should be having more of these conversations out because this I is agree. part of the problem about Christians. Because I hundred percent because agree. marriage sex ought to be the best sex. Let's just be honest right here, right? And and most of the time, the unmarried people are having a great time, and it's the married people that ain't doing nothing. <laughs> and part of the reason why is because communication is the challenge. It's not the act; it's the challenge because you got bills now, you got kids now, you got all the other stuff that's going on. How do I now talk about this? And then also understand that as we get older, our bodies change. Yes. What we like changes. Yes. So you can't go by what you was doing when you was 18, 19, 20, because yeah. you ain't jumping off the dresser no more. You can't <laughs> do it no more. You'll throw your back out. Ton. Ton. Okay. Before, before, let me jump in before Bishop Josh gets in and land the plane like five times. I will echo everything my brothers have said, and I'll also add this caveat. Um, that since it was a lady who wrote this question, um, keep your your intimate moments and how you interact with your we should be talking about spouse if we're talking about because it's a Christian show, but because we know it's not saved, we'll I'll just say significant other. Keep those things between you and that significant other 
Um, and if you do choose to have these conversations to kind of get yourself together and how to respond to your significant other, make sure it's a, it's a trusted individual and not one of your messy girlfriends. And for the love of God, please don't have this conversation with another man because um, you, you oh, open geez. yourself up to yes. other things. Um, and, yes. and because we haven't really talked about that, yes. I see that, especially in my age group where young ladies yes. start having conversations with other men about what their man is doing. And before you know it, they're in a situationship and they say, well, I don't know how this happened. The way it happens because the guy you're talking to, we're going to do what the man code says. We're going to listen. We're not going to bash the other guy. And then when you are up one of your lowest points, that's where we're going to slide in and give you everything you just said. But as Pastor Swan said, um, <clears throat> in relationships, you have to mature with the relationship. What I was doing at 18, I'm not doing at 39. Mm -hmm. What I was doing at 25, and not just from a sexual standpoint, but even from an intellectual standpoint, because intimacy doesn't start in the bedroom. Intimacy starts outside the bedroom. We said this so many, so many times before. Um, and we have to listen to one another. Um, what we tend to do is we say what well, we don't like, what we don't like, what we don't care for. And the other person is also saying how they feel. And no one's really listening. We're just yapping back and forth. And we never take time <clears throat> to to do the things our spouses or significant other want to do. And then when we do have these conversations, we're frustrated. And then sometimes we've already started that emotional affair. So mm -hmm. we already kind of sick of this person. So we're really looking for a reason to say, I'm going to go do something else. <clears throat> so I think, excuse me for this young lady who wrote this question, um, please have a, a very calm and collected conversation with your, with your man and say, hey, hey, I love the way you rub my back, the way you squeeze my toes and make my bunions feel. It's just amazing. <laughs> but you know that one thing that you do, <laughs> can you not do that? You know that one place where you touch me? Because here's the thing. We think as men, we could do any and everything. And it, could I say this to help someone? We watch certain things, whether it be pornography or other things, to try to bring them into the bedroom. The Bible talks about not putting new wine or wine skin. It's not just talking about those things. It's also when you're in your, your relationship, you can't take what you did with Tina and give it to Lisa because Lisa ain't Tina. You can't right. give to Bobby what you gave to Doug because Doug ain't Bobby. So all those things. Um, but my, I would say this, that my biggest takeaway is, don't share your intimate details with your girlfriend, and please don't tell the brothers because you're gonna you're gonna find out she could be in some trouble. <laughs> that no, let me tell you, there's so much sauce <laughs> on that for real. I mean, that is not in any way to suggest that what Anton and Kevin said is not absolutely valuable because it is. But you took that to a different place because there is a vulnerability that we expose when we share these conversations in the wrong environment. And part of the importance of and the value of and the anointing on your intimacy is that it is intimate. When you start having these conversations multiple places, you can, if you, if you really pay attention, I mean, really pay attention, you could actually watch your intimacy decrease as a byproduct 
of the, the increase. So there's an inverse relationship. The more you increase talking about your partner negatively to someone else, the more you decrease the intimacy with your partner. It has an exact inverse relationship. The other thing that is true though, is that what has a completely correlated relationship the more positively you tend to talk about your partner, the more t- positively you tend to feel about your partner because we also hear ourselves, right? So we've got to be careful of the conversation that's coming out of our mouths because as believers, we create with our mouths. So when we're creating negatively about our partner with our mouths, we also start to feel even more negatively about our partner, which creates a greater divide. That doesn't mean don't have important conversations with trusted Godly counsel, as Jason was referencing, to be able to fix the issue so you're not trying to get that itch scratched someplace else. But it is to say, be careful about who your counsel is, because you don't realize how much Satan hates marriage and how often he is looking for ways to be able to divide it, because marriage is the closest replica to the relationship between God and us, that if he can destroy marriage, he destroys confidence in covenant. And that's bigger than us here. That's also about vertical relationships. So that was that was some good stuff right there, Jason. That was some good stuff. Okay, Bishop. What would you say? So I'm only going to add, you know, one or two things. And that is, I love what Anton had to say. I completely 100% agree. And I would only add for the sister talking to the man is that to literally say not only what he is doing well, but then say to him, I like it when you do such and such toward me. So you put it back on him to show him what he actually is doing well and then turn back around and say, what do you like when I do such and such for you? Mm. And I would have those conversations so that they're very open ended, not closed ended per se. And God forbid not the playoffs. Don't ask him then. Not right after the moment has happened. Don't ask him then. Make sure you choose the opportune time, something that is completely and totally ambiguous. Y'all are out for an evening and out. It's a romantic time. You're having dinner. Strike up the conversation. Start with yourself and talk about what he does well and what you like from him and then flip it and then come back and communicate what it is that you like that he does that kind of thing. And then you kind of slide it on in there so that he doesn't even have a, you know, cause man, we ain't, you know, we ain't that deep. Um, and sometimes we're not the sharpest knife in the drawer. So you, you, once you come at it that way, now our defenses are down, we get to feeling real good. And then all the beans are going to be spilled. Here's another part of the conversation I want to add. And that is the season of time. As Kevin talked about time and score, here's what young men don't understand that I try to talk to them about. I just had a young guy just the other day I was talking to him about, he's in his thirties. And I said, and and his wife just had their second baby. And I said, listen, I said, when a woman is having children, hormones are all over the place. They're up and they're down. Everything from postpartum to she's feeling like she's got the uglies. It's important for you to be understanding in that moment as she begins to navigate through this season and process. And even after she has children, her body is still adjusting itself Because whether she's nursing or not, and if there are issues with the child colic, all those kinds of things, you need to take all of that in case and not just be trying to pound every other day. okay? Uh, because that's just not going to work in terms of what building true intimacy is, which is intimacy. We know that. But now here is what we don't talk about, Alvian, that I wish you ladies would discuss more. That all of a sudden when they get when you come past the childbearing age. 
and you get into that mid to late 40s coming into the 50s. It's a known thing. Testosterone for us starts to drop after 25. And when you start coming into your 30s and into your 40s, not that we aren't virile, we are. But our testosterone levels start to go down. Estrogen levels for women start to just shoot ray on out through the roof. And so 47, 48, 49, 50, come on, ladies in the chat, put it in there. Anywhere from 45 to 55, she ready. And you slowing down and she ready to get at it. So you need to be careful with how you're managing things early on so that when you were 25, like Kev said, you was coming up off that dresser. Now, <laughs> she she doesn't hit 47, 48, 49, 50. And she she got that pull-up bar in the room and she's swinging <laughs> off that pull-up bar coming in at you. So you just need to have it together. I can't wait. Up. Let's pull up together. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Okay, so let me give one caveat, listening audience, because for some of you women, that is also the time that you might find yourself in perimenopause, okay? Right. And perimenopause is the stage before you actually go into menopause, and it can take years. Perimenopause can start as early as your late 30s. Typically, it's more closer to your mid to late 40s when you start to experience it, and things can shift. Now, in that shift, you can get anything from, you know, a different level of um, moisture. I'm trying to be as nice as I can. You know, that can shift. It can decrease. You can get an increased interest, a decreased interest. There are all kinds of things that happen relative to the body, changes in sensation, even like things that you loved before that you don't love now, things that you absolutely love that you didn't love before. So when Kevin was talking about some of the changes that can happen, you know, as you age, those things can happen hormonally as well. You can have some women who absolutely, when it shoots, and it changes. I mean, like you can, you can absolutely be interested in all kinds of things, right? So just know that it's not exactly the same for every woman. And so I don't want anybody to feel crazy. If you happen to be the one that, you know, it's super high for, and you're super interested, or you happen to be the other woman where it used to be super high and now it's starting to calm down. It can be different for each woman's body, but the change in the hormones absolutely changes interest sensation and response, just FYI. And it's not because men, for those of you who are listening, it's not because all of a sudden you suck. Okay. Like you didn't necessarily do anything wrong. It's the way in which those two things are coming together that has shifted that part of, you know, the beauty of doing things like this shows like this. And thank you guys for asking these kinds of questions is because we have to be able to talk about them. Intimacy is absolutely rooted in our ability to communicate openly and honestly about the, as Kevin said, sensitive conversations. Our ability to do those well has a significant impact on how well we're able to enjoy our intimacy one with another, because that is true which Jason said, starts way before the bedroom. If I can't talk to you in the kitchen, I ain't trying to mess with you in the bedroom. You know, like, but if I'm flirting with you in that kitchen, you know what's about to happen in that bedroom if we make it there, okay? So, hey, um, can I ask yeah, so, a question uh, real so quick? That, so see, oh, look at you. Okay. No, okay. Right. I, I just want to ask a question because um, Swan, he, he alluded to it um, earlier. Why is it that we don't have more conversations and sermon-based series or instruction in, in the church Concern and things like this because um, I, I know we got to put the kids back in children's church stuff like that. But um, 
a lot of people when they talk about why they're not happy besides money because money is another issue inside marriage or relationships it always comes back talking about sex the lack thereof it's too much or you know i don't want to no more why can't we have those conversations inside of the church so I would say that part of that, and you guys can speak to some of that as pastors, I'm in, you know, as a non-pastor, part of the problem is that we originated in a very puritanical orientation to God, that sex was something dirty, and it was something that we were not supposed to be participating in, and the body was something that was disgraced in some kind of way. So, you know, in order to be able to show your holiness, you were not supposed to be experiencing these things, having these thoughts, which is quite antithetical to what the scriptures <laughs> actually say, because we were designed to be able to enjoy one another. But how the message, that message was perverted, because perversion is not just let's be sexual or over-sexualize something. Perversion can also be to take away the beauty of the romance of being able to be with one person, to be intimate truly with one person, and then to have pure freedom in that intimacy also, that the marriage bed is undefiled. But because of our fleshly hangups, those in their relation to the gospel or some of the fundamentalist Christian teachings that some have experienced, it has turned this thing into you either love God or you enjoy sex, but you can't love God and enjoy sex as if those two things cannot exist inside of the same place, that you can't lean fully into your sexuality in a healthy Christian, holy fashion and know that God finds that beautiful too. He didn't make that puzzle, those puzzle pieces fit the way that they fit for no reason. He made the puzzle pieces the way he made the puzzle pieces for his intention of oneness. It was the beautiful gift of oneness. Go ahead, Anton. And can I jump on that? Remember, the church is a hospital. So people are in there and they're broken. They're yeah. broken because of trauma. They're broken yeah. because of abuse that they're experiencing now. Yeah. Not just from their childhood, yep. but yep. they're experiencing right now. And so there are people who are are not really that open to being able to discuss or have that conversation publicly. And may may I add, there are some pastors who are broken Mm -hmm. and can't have that conversation Mm -hmm. with their congregants because Mm -hmm. they're in a place where they still have not healed from their trauma and they Mm -hmm. have not healed from what they're going through. And so you have a mixture. So just understand, you're not just dealing with people who are just, okay, we're in a healthy relationship. Uh, a great deal of them are not in healthy relationships. And so to have that conversation and you're not in a healthy relationship or be the one to have to have the conversation and you're not in a healthy relationship, that is a very difficult thing to overcome. Absolutely. Absolutely. Kevin, you were going to say something. Yeah. Comment to that. And then a question for you, Alan. Um, okay. So the challenge is, uh, Jason, is that there are not enough, and we, we've talked about this before, there's not enough examples. Where, where do I go, um, church or otherwise, where I see believers who are married, who are also talking about and expressing their joy of sex? Right. You don't right. see it. You don't, you, it's not around. Right. right. And so that's part of the problem, is that there are plenty of examples of People who are not married engaged in sex. There are plenty of examples of wrong type of sex. And now that's what we see in our societies, hypersex society and culture. But very few of those examples 
are two people who are committed to one another under under the covenant of marriage who are also openly expressing. You look at TV, most television shows, the juicy shows are not when married people are having sex. So for the average person, there are very few examples where people can go. So the church can be that place. We have a marriage ministry. We talk about all these issues and and Lady Swan and I are very open with that. While I'm here, let me give a shout out to Lady Swan. Tomorrow we celebrate 26 years. It's our 26. Let, let me let me give my love to her while we're on this subject. So love you, babe. I know she listens to the show. Now, having said that, Al, can we flip this question around real quick? Yeah. Because maybe there's some men that want to know what's the best way to have a sensitive conversation to to a woman, mm-hmm. and it could be sex. It could be other sensitive areas. Mm-hmm. Maybe weight, for example. <laughs> like like how how does a man have a sensitive conversation or even if we're going to stay in the sex and intimate space you know i've heard this a lot sometimes let's just be honest men are exposed to things and this is what happens sometimes you're exposed to things before you get married and then you get married and you're hoping that some of the things that you were exposed to may continue mm-hmm. but maybe the wife is not always willing to go there for example so how does a man have a conversation? In these very, very carefully. <laughs> careful, careful, like when you're trying to defuse a bomb. Okay? Oh, no. <laughs> Especially when you said, wait, oh, Lord. Like, wait, I mean. That's a big one. That's a big I mean, one. It's like, no, I mean, it, is, it is real and it's true. And we are sensitive about it as women, very sensitive about it because backdrop, we're living in a world that prizes perfection, right? Like the problem with social media is it has made like an accessibility to these faux orientations of what it means to be a woman, the typical woman's body. And if 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 these are all women who are able to work out six hours a day because they that's what they do for a living, they're going to look real different than the woman who goes to a, a normal job and has to take care of kids when she gets home and has to do such and such. And, and if you're a little bit older, it might have some aging parents that you're supporting and family members and the list goes on and on. So what happens for, for those women, which are more of a majority of women, is that we drop lower and lower on the list of care because we are loving and taking care of everybody else. And the consequences of that is also that, you know, we grow, we grab a sandwich, you know, cause we didn't have time to make some perfectly organic cut meal that came from the freaking farmer's market. We don't have time for that. We're eating a sandwich while we're in the SUV on the way to pick up that crap load of kids we have with you. You know what I'm saying? Like, so that comes with stuff, including expanded waistlines and, you know, some little love muffins and, you know, all those little bags of cuteness, you know, like it, it comes with stuff. So when we start talking about weight, just using that as a, because it is a sensitive thing for women, one of the best ways that we have conversations about that is not actually through the conversation. It's actually through action for a lot of us. And what I mean by that is that we are such sensitive and intuitive creatures that if you start talking about, baby, come on, let's go for a walk. Baby, let's go to the gym. We should drive, get a gym membership together. The We already know you're trying to tell us we're getting chubby. <laughs> you don't, don't, almost, don't even have to say it. Like unlike, and these are, not, these are not absolutes, but unlike men, we are already doing 
the 10 conversations that weren't had where the man is like, look, that all we said was A, B, and C. So I thought it was just A, B, and C. But the truth is that there were like nine other things that were underneath that layers. It's We're exactly the opposite. We're putting things under the layers that you might not even intend it. So when we're having, conver- when you're trying to communicate something with a woman, in, particularly if she's sensitive, some women are not as sensitive, but we're all kind of sensitive about our bodies. You actually do better if, if you're, if you are interjecting or bringing in this fix action to the thing without even having to say the thing actually works better for us, generally speaking. Okay. Now there are some women who will say to you, just, just tell me, and you have to know your woman well enough to know (laughs) if you can believe that, because what has she taught you about telling? Because if your woman has taught you that there are punishments that come with your honesty, then I will be a little bit more careful about the ways in which you are honest. Go ahead, Kevin. Can I can I point that out right there? Yeah. Because when I'm when I'm having uh, premarital counseling with couples, this is a conversation that comes up, and I ask both of them, mm-hmm. "How important is honesty to you?" And, mm-hmm. and most of the time, they say, "Very important." Well, if <laughs> honesty is important, then can I speak my truth? Right. And sometimes my truth is going to hurt you. It's going to hurt your feelings. And yep. what has happened is in some situations, the reaction of speaking my truth has lent itself to a point where I ain't going to say that no more. Yep. You trained me. Now I'm not truthful. Well, yep. And now communication has been compromised. Right? right. So if intimacy is about communication and I can't speak my truth, how are we going to connect? That's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. And I would totally agree that we teach our men how much truth they can express. We teach that. Now, we're not teaching you all to, our goal is never to teach you guys to be liars. That's never our goal. But without realizing it, we are training you guys to omit elements of your truth, right? To edit it in some ways, especially if it is, you guys are very sensitive, many of you are, very sensitive to our tears. So if we get upset, you know, or if we get if we get angry or we get emotional and you don't know how to fix it fast enough because you guys want to fix it, make it better. You know, like so if make it better means I just won't say that anymore. Y'all just stop saying it. And it doesn't mean you're still you're not thinking it. You just don't say it anymore. And that creates distance. You know, like so the goal is to be able to close the gap and that gap only gets closed through communication. Communication is only really possible if we create safe zones and safe zones are only possible if we trust each other and trust is only possible. You know, like, so they all come together. So the reality is we have to, it's the whole, unless the seed falls to the ground and die, it remaineth alone. But if it does die, that it brings forth much, much truth, right? So the reality is that we've got to die to our own personal egos and we have to die to our own agendas and we have to die to our fear in order to allow that thing to be able to be planted, fall to the ground and be planted so it can bring forth so much more, right? But that is a very conscious decision and we have to be okay with the fact that it's going to be uncomfortable because nothing dying feels good, okay? But the getting past the discomfort of the dying is what births the life 
And that life of intimacy is what's on the other side of dying to our own emotions and feelings about, oh my God, he doesn't think I look like J-Lo. Honey, he never thought you looked like (laughs) J-Lo. He never thought that. He loved you exactly the way you are. He loved you. He So you were the one who thought that that was predicated upon the idea that you look like J-Lo or Halle Berry. He never saw you that way. He loved all you Jill Scottnets. Okay. Like that's, that's what but, he loved. Go ahead. But, but see, Al, that's, that's the point, right? Because sometimes when a guy may say something about weight, it's not because he wants you to look a certain, because he may know you're going to feel differently about yourself. Which changes into. Which changes how we interact. Yep. Right. There are most men that now I will admit there's some men who are very particular about their spouse's weight. But yep. most guys, if the right. intimacy is consistent, they ain't caring about that. Right. No. But but you care about that. <laughs> right. You care about that. <laughs> some right? men actually prefer it. Yep. Absolutely. So, there are those. Mm-hmm. And and so that then what you're what you just said, what you're thinking about yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and let's just be honest, Al. Women, men don't have babies. We know that babies wreck bodies. Let's just be honest with you, right? Babies wreck bodies. You, you, you got your organs literally shifted for nine months, and then they yeah. got to fall back in place. Men don't have that kind of experience, but now you're thinking that you aren't desirable anymore. That you know, you go through that process, and the dude is like, "So this is why I do think having." Sensitive conversations is important. And one thing I will add before we go on, what what helps is intent. You know, it's one thing to say it, but if you know that the intent behind what I'm saying is out of love, that changes what I'm hearing. Because if if I don't sense that the intent is love, then I think you're attacking me. And then now I'm going to receive it completely different. Yeah. Or I feel like you're putting me down. You know what I'm saying? Like in some way, like it's, it, it is. And that's what the safe zones are about, that we've got to create these pockets very intentionally in our relationships that we feel safe enough to be open and honest with each other, because that is in fact, how we increase our levels of intimacy. There's no question about it. Absolutely. No question about it. Ray, not that we have, something else yeah. Not that we have time to go into this because I want to get into two other questions, but we are yeah. going to have to have the conversation about pornography and the cell uh-huh. phone because uh-huh. our 12 and 13 year old boys and girls have so uh-huh. much access to uh, hypersexuality and perverse sexuality through the phone that they're being exposed to images that they think are normal and they grow up. And believing that what they saw in porn is now the expectation for the bedroom of marriage. And if we don't deal with this uh, in terms of a demented mind, we're setting ourselves up for failure. And that's how really a lot of these preconceived notions enter into relationships in regards to intimacy that are completely, totally false. You don't realize that these people are working out five or six hours a day. That spray that's going on with these abs that you think that they got. None of that stuff is real. Airbrushing. Airbrushing. But Ray, you don't even have to get to social media and to the phone, the TV. Oh, uh, yeah. Have, have y'all oh, ever yeah. just sat down oh. for five minutes My and God. watched a commercial mm. on network TV? The mm. commercials are so overly sexualized mm-hmm. where it's like, I don't believe that they are actually playing these commercials now. I mean, and they talk about everything, everything. and anything. Oh, yeah. 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 It's just they're overly sexualized. Yep. Yeah. 
and it changes it changes what our baselines are what normal is what our expectations are it's no different than marketing you show a, gr- a delicious hamburger now you're thinking about a hamburger you weren't thinking about it before the same thing is true in terms of what's exposed in our commercials you know what's being seen in our shows it normalizes things that aren't necessarily normal you know it 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 creates you know desires for things that wouldn't you weren't even conscious of 2 minutes ago you know like so yeah. It, it does breaks down. Mind. Yeah, it breaks down inhibitions is what oh, it does. Yeah. Oh, it breaks yeah. down inhibitions. And what it does is sometimes if you watch certain uh, commercials, it's like, are you trying to force an agenda on me? On no me. question about it. Absolutely. Are you trying to force an agenda? Not just, and you know, it's not even some commercials. You know, I, I'm, I'm not going to name the award show, but there was a recent award show. You know, we get, we kind of talked about it a little bit, some of us offline. Mm-hmm. And after five minutes, I had to turn. I just couldn't, I couldn't watch no more. I, I, and, and this was supposed to be a wholesome award show. Yeah. And I'm like, for real? Is yeah. that your agenda in first five minutes? You telling me what it is that you want me to accept and you mm-hmm. want me to embrace and not only embrace, but make it seem as if this is honorable. No, I'm sorry. I skipped that. And so first five minutes, I was out. Yep. I mean, so, like we have to so, decide. Go ahead, Kev. So Al, I know we 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 doing um ask the crew. I know we got hung up on this one. Can can we do some rapid fire to, to finish yeah, up? Yeah, I was just gonna say I got I got some more. You ready? I know I know that that one that one hit a nerve though. We we know that. <laughs> so whoever asked that question, thank you. But we we want to see if we can yep. try to get this. Okay, so Next question. How do you ignite the fire in your marriage once again? And is it normal for it to die down? Yes, it is absolutely normal for it to die down. Planned dating, set time aside and be intentional about planned dating and setting time aside and understand that the marriage, that husband and that wife, they are the priority. Children are important. But you're the solidation, the solidarity and the foundation of husband and wife. That is what makes the family work. Ray said it. Mm-hmm. Intentionality. And All I right. think, too, Albie, what needs to be said is that every relationship is different. It's different. So, so the rhythm of the relationship is different. The intimacy levels are different. So it's hard. You know, you can't always compare what. And again, this is where stereotypes and, and social media and what we see in the in the media kind of skews our view of what we think it should be, mm-hmm. right? Like what's normal for me and my wife may be different than everybody else up here. Mm-hmm. And we have to be okay with that yep. and, and not think that we're supposed to be doing it however many times because okay. everybody else is doing it. What works right. for you? Yeah. And I'll, no, and I'll and say this for, for, for uh, like Don would tell me in a heartbeat, she said, the more vulnerable you are with me, the more intimate I feel with you. Yeah. yeah. And, and for me, it's like growing up being vulnerable, you know, I grew up in hood. And so being vulnerable is like uh, an anomaly. And, you know, and so it's like vulnerable, you know, you're supposed to be strong. You're supposed to be Superman. You're supposed to be. But she said, the more vulnerable you are with your weaknesses and your challenges, the more intimate and the connect, the more connected I feel to you. And so, you know, after eight, you know, we just celebrate 18 years uh, ourselves. So, yeah. And so that is still a challenge for me because it's a paradigm shift. I have to shift my thinking. 
And even after 18 years, you're still constantly shifting your thinking and constantly shifting what works and what, what creates greater levels of intimacy. And let me tell you something. Please don't forget like these, these, these marriage retreats and conferences and even therapy. That stuff is the bomb. Cause I'm telling you that stuff will help you have greater creativity and ideals yeah. about how to create greater levels of intimacy and greater levels of oneness. Cause that's the ultimate goal at the end of the day is oneness. So you're constantly working at oneness. Marriage is work. And so you're constantly working at oneness in which is intimacy basically. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anybody else want to add anything else to um, before I move on to the next one? I just say have fun. Laugh together. If you can't laugh together, it's a problem. Yeah, because laughter is sexy. Let me tell you how often you can go from kick, kick, kick to some other noises, okay? like so. Well, like, <laughs> well, well, Michelle, we laughing all day. I'm going to come <laughs> home and start laughing. All right. You know, someone said to me once, and I thought this was a really good and very insightful thing. He said that the best advice he ever got is one of my guy friends. He said the best advice he ever got after getting married was the woman you should be most careful with. And he was like, what are you talking about? He's like, don't worry about cheating with that woman that is super fine, that every time you see her, she just looks absolutely amazing. She's sexy as this. That's not the one you need to worry about. Worry about the woman that you can laugh with constantly that you can tell your dreams to, that you can have conversations like nobody else, that she's like talking to the guys, except that she's a very attractive not guy. That's the one you need to worry about because that kind of intimacy, you could build a whole life on that kind of intimacy. And that's more, um, more challenge, more of a challenge, more of a threat to your relationship than that chick that is super fine. And most chicks are looking out for who's the super fine girl that my husband is friends with or that my boyfriend is friends with, but that's not the one you need to worry about. You need to worry about the one that feels most like the best friend. That's the one who's actually most threatening to your relationship because he trusts her or she trusts him. And that's the stuff that you can actually build a whole nother relationship off of. And I was like, you ain't never lied about that. You ain't never lied about that one right there. That's because that's absolutely true. Keep an eye on that one. That's the one you need to watch your heart with. Not don't love your friend. It's not don't love you, but just just watch your heart <laughs> where that is concerned. Because that that's real. That's a real relationship. Mm-hmm. Not whose booty's fatter. Who who makes you laugh harder? Who makes you feel safest? Who makes you? That's what you have to be mindful about. So while we on wisdom. Just want to throw that one out there because my that was I was like that's a good one right there, babe. <laughs> but but also watch out for the big booty chicks, man. I don't don't take you out of those. <laughs> watch those too. Yeah, but she's she's the jump off. You ain't trying to start a whole new family with that one. Don't worry about it. <laughs> that's that's not a whole new family getting started. Okay, I got. Let's see which how more we can, how many more we can get in there. Okay, how do I allow my husband to feel and know? That I am sexually satisfied, even though we cannot engage in sex for an extended amount of time. So the husband had a medical situation, which means that they can't do anything for a while, but he's worried. So just so you have backdrop, he's a little worried about whether or not she's okay because he can't do anything. So she's, she's asking, how do I help him to know and to be confident that I'm fine? I am really okay while he can't. He, we can't participate in these activities right now while he's, you know, recovering, so to speak. Let me clarify that. Is it intercourse that they can't do? Is that it? 
Yeah, they cannot. They cannot have. She specifically said sex. She didn't say all the other four place stuff. So That's she, what I was about to say. Does the man's fingers work? Does his tongue work? <laughs> does, does other things work? Do do we have batteries to toys? Do they work? I mean, listen. I ain't trying to be funny here, but that, I mean, if, if if listen, you got to be creative, man. Listen, bro, you you got to be creative. And again, this is where, in the context of marriage, communication is important. Yep. And so, if, if you got these at work, if it did work, you still in business, bro. I, th- I think we should traverse from this question to another one. That was a great response. I don't think we need to see that. Okay. And so, that's a perfect segue to this one because the fear is that for some men in particular, if I'm not satisfying my woman or I don't think I'm satisfying my woman or the converse, if I don't feel like I'm satisfying my man, we just have a baby or something's going on with my body right now and I can't do these things, you know, is this person going to cheat? So this last question that I think we'll be able to slide in right now is if, is the question is, if a wife says you can't love me if you cheat or have cheated on me, can this statement actually be true? So his question, this is a husband asking the question. You're, the wife is saying that you can't, if you have cheated on me, you can't possibly love me. And the husband saying, can that statement really be true? Does cheating by itself mean that you couldn't have loved the person you've been lying about loving the person? What do you guys No, No, I, I, 100%, and I, I'll do mine in 45 seconds. The same way if, if the speed limit is 55 and I go 65, 70, that doesn't mean that I didn't mean to go to the speed limit. Now, we're not condoning cheating and stepping outside your marriage. But just because that that man, I'm assuming the man cheated and the woman's like, well, you ain't love me in the first place. No, there cheat. no, there were some indiscretions that happened before the, the physical situation happened that was not addressed. But that doesn't mean that the person, the man doesn't love you. He made some poor, a, a series of poor decisions that led to a poor outcome. Now, like Alvin, you said this plenty of times. I've done it 10 seconds. There's a difference between a cheater and someone who cheated. That's right. Now, we're yes. not saying yes. either one of them is right because if you step out the side that got the, the position of your marriage or relationship, you're wrong. But just because he cheated doesn't mean that he's a cheater. That means he's out here slamming everything. But at, in the same context, that infidelity that happened physically it happened a long time ago in other ways that went unchecked. And it goes back to what Kevin said, five seconds left, that you all aren't communicating. Because if had you been communicating that or felt safe enough, Anton said it, vulnerable enough to have these conversations, that mm-hmm. man would not have went out there and did it unless he is a teacher. Now, mm-hmm. two different things. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me jump on that. So... Uh, <laughs> Don't turn your your camera off, Ray. <laughs> I mean, just for real. Okay, so um, let's just say I, I agree with Jason in the sense of there's a difference between someone who cheated and someone who is a cheater. So let's deal with the cheater first real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, a cheater, you knew he was a cheater before you married him. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. I'm just you saying. talked yourself out of that one. Yep. I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm just saying. You knew he was a cheater before you married him because 
if, particularly if you are a believer or God gave you a sign or God showed you some things. Now, you may ignore those things and you may not have wanted to really believe these things, but you knew he was a cheater or had the propensity to cheat if he wasn't already cheating before you married him. So let's put that to the side. Now, let's deal with the person who cheated. The person who cheated, clearly there is something going on in the relationship prior to that person cheated. If this is a person who truly uh, loves you, and, and yes, you can love someone and, and cheat, and yes, you, and absolutely. you absolutely can. Wow. However, uh, if this is someone who loved you and they cheated, clearly there were some things leading up to that actual act. The sexual manifestation was only uh, a manifestation of what was going on with you guys intimately or emotionally prior to the cheating. And you can rebound from that. However, that person can absolutely love you and still make that that decision to cheat or fall into that trap of cheating. And just understand this, ladies. There are women who want your men. Please do. Please no. Let's try to say. I'm, Please I'm, no. I'm, I'm going to drop it. There are some. <laughs> yes, sir. Doc. Yes, sir. There, yeah. there yeah. are women who want your, your man. man yep. And they will set traps for your man. And yep. fellas, as for us to sometimes, and, and I know I'm guilty of this, listen to your wife. Because she knows something. To tell you she knows to beware, that one. She knows, and she'll say, "Watch that one. Watch that one." Yep. Oh, I'm just trying to tell you. Just, just be, be mindful. Have that, have that, those antennas up because sometimes we'll give deference to people and their behavior, not really understanding that person may actually be trying to lay a trap for your, for your marriage. And so listen to your wife. I know my wife is like, thank you, Lord. He is listening to me, even though, because she swear up, she said, I'm B-L-A-C-K. She don't call me black. She said, I'm B-L-A-C-K. But I'm like, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm like, I am, babe, I'm listening. You know, so because you know, sometimes you just try to be nice, but listen to <laughs> your wife. She is your jewel. No, yes, sir, Doc. No, Listen, Tom, I agree with that 100%. Listen. Um, I, I need to make sure we have a point of clarity, though, before we end the show, because we only have mm -hmm. a couple of minutes left. You know, this question, Alvin, about cheating and all that kind of thing. I don't want the viewers or the listeners to leave this show thinking that the, the, the issues in the relationship justify the cheating. Right. Right. Okay. right. Let's just be clear right. here. Right. People cheat because they choose to. Yes. Right. And there, there are situations where the marriage is perfect and people still cheat. Yes. Yep. Right. And then you have other situations where the marriage is horrific and people, and people won't stay cheat. faithful. Won't cheat. Yep. Right. Yep. So the only difference between those two scenarios is the choices that the, the individual make. makes. Yeah, Absolutely. Right. So so let's not give people an out here on the show thinking that because we got because every marriage goes through droughts every marriage goes through difficulties every marriage goes so that doesn't give me a license to say because the day ain't right that it's okay for me to go out here and do whatever i do because i ain't getting it at home or something ain't right now i am no you made a choice right okay and and cheating is a decision that you made and so i want to make sure alvin that we we end the show clearly understanding that yes Marriages have difficulties. They got to be talked through, communication. But if you step out, you got to 
You got to deal with the consequences. You got consequences. You, you, you got to consequences. And what we are saying to add to that, guys, and you guys, when my book comes out, you guys will, you know, hear about it. Um, but the other thing that we are saying too, overarching thematic inside of this space is the importance of wet grass. And what I mean by that is that there are certain conditions that make the opportunity likely for there to be a complete fire worth of destruction. Mm -hmm. And there are other conditions that choke out those intentions. And that is to say that when we have real intimacy, real intimacy is like watering your grass all the time. If your grass stays wet, if somebody drops a match in it, that match is fizzling out because you're doing the things necessary to, to nurture the intimacy of the relationship. You're watering your grass. But when you can't have a conversation, when you can't be honest with each other, when you can't be vulnerable with each other, when you can't have the sensitive discussions, when you can't do those things, you are creating an environment of dry grass, which means that when the chick who is or the dude who is trying to set the trap, he comes and he drops his match or she comes and drops hers. That thing went up in flames, not because of what that individual did, but because the conditions we're already ripe for terrible things to happen. We cannot control someone else's character. That's the stuff that makes you a cheap er, capital E-R. But what we can do is we can create the environments that make it very difficult for the enemy to be able to be effective in his motivations and intentions. And that's that's the stuff we can control. The rest of it, we got to leave to the individuals, who they are as people, because it is a choice at the end of the day. You got to Great guess. show, Al. We appreciate it. This is first Tuesday's Ask the Crew. Ask the anything. Crew. <laughs> y'all ain't holding back either. And so, Jay, you, you put the information out. If y'all want to ask us a question about any subject, today we got a lot of questions on relationships. It could be something else next time. We're going to ask them all. But until next time, we got to run. Be blessed and be a blessing to someone else. This is Smooth 88.1 WHOV, iHeartRadio, right here, y'all, Facebook Live.